welcome to Family Tech Live. I'm your host, Sarah. Every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, I go live on Instagram to interview the folks bringing you the technology you want or didn't know you want. Some weeks I go live with my co-host, Emily, to bring you an episode of Family Tech Talk. Each week, we'll upload the interview right here for my podcast, Family Tech Talk. Tune in live or listen later on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get right to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to my weekly Instagram live interview. Um, I'm super excited about my um, interviewee. My guest today is Verizon's Ethan Aronson, and we are going to talk all about kids and technology, and it's going to be really exciting. You might have gone upside down. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to my basement, uh, broadcasting <laughs> live. Glad to be here. Awesome. Yes, broadcasting live from my home office. So I think that's kind of standard these days. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, I've uh, definitely done some research on your work with child safety. I'm really impressed by the work that you're doing. So I'm excited to, to jump into it and talk about pretty much anything you want to talk about. Awesome. So I usually start almost all of these interviews with one question and what are the technology rules in your house? So my kids are 11 and 7, so in some ways I'm still in kind of the golden age of technology. It's, it's not quite as hard as it's going to get later. Um, For sure. We are, we are pre-cell phone in my house, so it's all about screen time in my house. It's all about making sure that my two boys are not spending eight hours a day in front of a device playing games. Uh, so it's just a lot of focus on screen time limitations, making sure that they're getting outside and not uh, getting completely ensconced in, in the games that they play. Uh, you know, do that a couple different ways, do it with some parental controls on the apps. I make sure that I know the passwords to their devices and, and they don't, um, and also kind of work with the router as well, just in case everything else fails, the router uh, will stop them from connecting in the middle yeah. of the night, which is a, a nice safety valve. Right. Yeah. Nice fail safe right at the top level there. Um, so speaking of screen time, though, have the rules changed in this new COVID arena? Yeah. You know, it's a strange time. I don't need to tell you that, especially right. with kids. It's it's really tough to balance. You know, we've always taken the position that we want our kids to get outside and they should not be constantly on devices. They should be outside playing with other kids. But obviously everything is flipped during COVID. So now we're in this weird space where they interact with their friends through their devices. They are actually socializing through the right. games that they play with their friends. So it's a really tough message to say, you know, give me that iPad. I don't want you talking to your friends anymore today. It's the world has just turned upside down. So we're doing the best we can. We've definitely loosened some of the restrictions quite a bit to try to make some sense of this new COVID world. Um, but at the same time, the old rules still apply, right? We still want them to get outside. We still want them to, to break away from that device every day. So it's a, it's a really strange time. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so let's dig into it, kind of my questions for you being a, a Verizon rep. Um, so what do you think are the most dangerous apps and websites that kids are using today or visiting today? 
So as the head of digital safety at Verizon, you know, I kind of have a, a 30,000 foot view. You know, we don't have, you know, apps that kids are, are using. We're not a Facebook or, a, or an Instagram or a, a YouTube. We sit on top of everything and kind of have a very broad perspective on, on what kids are doing. And, you know, in my mind, there isn't a particular app that I would point at saying this is particularly dangerous. I think it's more about the kid and what the kid is doing when they're online. Any single internet connected application is potentially dangerous if your kid makes bad choices, right? And that Absolutely. can go from everything from text, simple text messaging all the way to, to social media and everything in between. So I think it's probably best not to focus on what the most dangerous apps are, but rather what your kid is doing when they are online and making sure that your kid has the right background and instruction and kind of code of ethics for online behavior to make sure that whatever is in front of them doesn't turn into a dangerous interaction. Um, but I will say, you know, at the same time, humans aren't very good at assessing risk. And this has been proven by science. You know, humans tend to, to assign risk where it doesn't exist and ignore the, the bigger risk areas. Uh, you know, people get on planes and get very worried, but have no hesitation to get in their cars. I think there is some of that that applies to child safety as well. You know, people are very worried about a stranger coming from nowhere and doing something terrible to their kid. And that's absolutely something that they should be worried about. But, you know, family members and trusted adults are much more dangerous percentage wise than those folks. So keeping your eye on everyone that your child interacts with and not just losing focus and paying attention to strangers on the internet, I think is really, really important. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And I get people all the time saying, oh, you know, my kid doesn't have any social media. I only let him on Pinterest. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a messenger inside Pinterest as well, right? And there's pornography on Pinterest. Like, there's, like you said, really any app can have a negative side. And just being able to be aware of what they're doing, um, super, super important. I love that point. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's really the days of these specialized apps that just did one thing are totally over. Apps are trying to to fill as many different spaces as they can and offer as much as much functionality as they can. And you know, that's great for adults, but for kids it creates a lot of complications because you've really got to be an expert on every piece of functionality of that piece of software. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um so what are some of the big, biggest mistakes you are seeing parents make right now then? So my pet peeve, and I talk to my friends about this all the time, my friends generally have kids about my kid's age, and so few of them use the parental controls at their disposal. And I just, I don't get it. I, I am continually shocked by it. You know, it used to be an excuse, I think, and a valid excuse that these controls were too complicated or they weren't available, but that's not really the case anymore. These parental controls are everywhere. They're on the app, they're on the device, they're on the gaming platform, they're on your router. These controls are literally everywhere and they've gotten so much easier to use. So, you know, we know from the science, the studies that about 25% of parents are reliably using parental controls. 75% of parents are not. And that is just a crazy statistic to me. I think it's something that at Verizon, we're working really hard to, to get those numbers to where we think they should be. We wanna get the message out to parents, especially during this crazy time that parental controls are just so important. It's such an easy step to take. You don't have to become an expert on every single app. There are very basic steps you can take that you know, will reap big benefits. And 
you know, it's not the, it's not a complete answer. There's a lot more work to do than just flipping a switch on a parental control, but bang for the buck wise in terms of spending 15 minutes to keep your kids safe. It, it seems to be one of the best possible things that, that you could do. So that's certainly a frustration and something that we're working on very hard at Verizon. No, and that's great because I, I have the same frustration. You know, my background is in IT. So I, you know, this stuff comes naturally to me. And my goal, I mean, I've had my website, my blog, and, you know, my social accounts for over 10 years. And my platform has always just been trying to help people understand how easy it is to do you don't need to have an IT degree. I can explain it to you in terms you can understand. You know, it's really, really easy to do, and it is so, so important. Um, like you said, a pet peeve of mine is, you know, people will research and research and research if their child is diagnosed with something, yet they won't research when it comes to technology. And I think that's, like, just the big hurdle they need to get over is it's yet it is easy easy to understand if you just put just a teeny bit of effort into researching it and making sure you've got the best possible solutions. I think that's 100% right. The, the controls have really become very easy to use. I think Apple, for example, does a great job with screen time. I think it is incredibly <laughs> family friendly. Look, you know, I was able to pick up screen time and within 15 minutes able to block quite a bit of content and more no, importantly, it's true. in my house, lock the devices down very quickly right. and set exactly when they turn on and off. And I think that's something a lot of parents are struggling with, right? It's like they're grabbing yeah. the iPad out of their kid's hands and it's like a, it's a tug of war at night. It is yeah. so much easier and so much less drama and stress to set a turnoff time where that iPad turns yeah. into a brick and all of those problems go away in a matter of minutes. So look, none of these solutions are perfect. And I think that's, right. that's a tough lesson for parents to hear. And it's, it's absolutely true. But there are some very simple steps that parents can take and, and have a big impact. So yeah, that's I, kind of, I, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say that's pet peeve number one. I've got a bunch of others, but go ahead. <laughs> I, wanna hear your, I wanna hear your thoughts. Well, no, I mean, those who followed my uh, profile for a long time know um, I'm a bit of an Apple hater, but <laughs> I will say they have made some significant strides in the parental control arena. Um, I just wish they would open it up a little bit more to third parties so that, you know, parents can choose how, you know, I love using screen time. You know, obviously my kids don't have Apple devices, but um, screen time on the, on the Apple is really great. Google Family Link on the Google side, you know, they're pretty similar in functionality, um, yet Google allows third parties to kind of bridge the gap of what's missing from their own platform. So, um that's what I love about Android as opposed to Apple. But like I said, since um, I think it was iOS 11 or 12 is when the parental controls finally came out. Uh, I definitely wrote an article about that. Like, way to go, Apple, finally understanding what parents' needs are. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. So you had asked some of the other things that parents are maybe doing wrong oh, yeah. or are not focused on. Um, so my background, I manage the trust and safety team at Verizon Media before I stepped into my current job. So that was all about looking at content on our platforms and trying to find stuff that violated our community guidelines and making sure that content came off our platforms as quickly as possible. For background, Verizon Media owns Yahoo and AOL, so two old iconic brands on the internet around from the very earliest days. Sure. Um, so there's just a lot of content there, a lot of user-generated content, especially in the early days. We've kind of moved away from that a little bit. But 
there is a lot of content to, to keep a handle on. And I think one of the mistakes that parents make is they assume that the platforms are able to police all of that content and can be a parent for them. And the technology, unfortunately, just isn't there yet. The platforms work very hard. Verizon Media worked very, very hard at it. I know that Facebook and Instagram and others work very hard at it. But if you sit an engineer down and ask and say, is the technology at a point where a child can go onto one of these platforms unsupervised and everything will be safe, they're going to tell you absolutely not. It's just not, we're not there yet. So the this kind of reaction, and you see this from Congress as well, you know, you hear congressional leaders say, how is it possible that this ended up on your platform? Why didn't you catch this? How could how could this picture, it just doesn't work that way. There's, there's no way to look at every image on any platform of any size. So you really have to, you know, rely on the platforms to do their best, but the parents have to be involved and have to be in the middle of that conversation. So, you know, trust the platforms to do the right thing to some extent, but do not delegate that responsibility to any platform. Absolutely. 100% agree. You know, I always tout that the best, you know, parental control is conversations. So, you know, having conversations frequently with your kids, making sure they understand exactly what to do when they come across something inappropriate, um, I think is huge strides in, you know, instead of just like handing it over and expecting the platform to do it for you. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, one more area that I think is really interesting and something that's hit home for me recently has been the growth in this free to play model with virtual goods that can be purchased by kids. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is turning into a bit of a nightmare in my house uh, because you know, it is gone games. When I was a kid, you paid up front and you got the entire game delivered to you from front to back. The entire experience was yours and that model is really, unfortunately, in my mind, started to fade away. And now we're getting these games that are basically half of a game. So you get half of the game to start. And if you want to be able to get to the next level, you've got to purchase something with real dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's really troubling because these games have become a social outlet for my kids. You know, they are engaged with their friends. And in order to keep up with their friends, in order to have the fun that their friends are having, they need to make purchases online. I think that's kind of an unfortunate model, but obviously that's for the game manufacturers to decide. I think yeah. the toughest part though, is this gambling aspect. So if you want to advance to the next level, you can either pay X dollars or pay something less and you'll have a one in 100 chance of getting that for less money. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think that's a really potentially troubling business model for kids because you're really teaching them that if they just keep spending that next dollar, they can potentially get to where they want to be. I, the rule in my house is, look, I'm not a big fan of buying virtually goods at all. And I try to you know, lecture them on, you're buying nothing. You're buying, you know, <laughs> literally you're buying air here. But if we're going to spend money on these games, it's got to be a sure thing, right? You're going right. to purchase something that you're guaranteed to get. We are not going to start gambling in this house on virtual games. So you have some chance and then, you know, going to spend another dollar tomorrow and another dollar tomorrow and keep rolling the dice. Um, so it's an interesting area. You know, the UK has been very aggressive here and has moved to at least talk about outlawing loot boxes entirely. There's yeah. a lot of attention to this area worldwide. And I don't know what the right answers are. I, I am a gamer myself. I believe in getting game manufacturers paid for their hard work. Right. Uh, I just think it's the business model is in kind of a strange place right now. And I'd love to see us go back to 
my days back in the 80s where you went to the store, you got your game, you brought it home, and that was it. It was, it was paid for, and you got to play the whole thing from start to finish. At least you got to play it until you had to take it out and blow on the cartridge for a little while and then put it back in. A hundred percent. Yeah, 41 here. Totally grew up with the Nintendo Classic and all of that. So, um, but no, I totally agree. And like, like you said, it's the drug model. You know, it's here. The first one's free. And then if you want more, you're going to have to pay. Um, so I think that is dangerous to get kids to to buy into that model when they're still learning how the world works, basically. And the gambling model, that's even worse. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough message for an 11 year old to explain, you know, that these games are causing your brain to release dopamine every time that you get one of these loot boxes. Like it's, they are designed this way on purpose. And, right. you know, that's a fair game for adults, but I think for kids, it's an entire, entirely different story. And, something that we have to keep a close eye on as parents. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so what is your opinion on like the best parental controls for kids' devices? So I'm a little biased as a Verizon employee. I think the of Verizon course. Smart Family Plan works really well. I, I think Which I am a subscriber of Smart Family. I, I saw that on your blog. I'm excited by that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, and it's not so much about the product, but the functionality of the I think it approaches things the right way and that it gives parents a lot of different choices and mm -hmm. lets parents make those decisions. I think the, the one size fit, fits all model is not, doesn't work very well in this space. Kids get older. I think they're entitled to more freedom. I think that is healthy oh, okay. and, and good for them. At the same time, when they're young and just getting a phone, I think you want to have that phone locked down and have you know, as much oversight as possible. So I like that Smart Family lets you make those choices, that it kind of grows with your kid as your kid gets older and there's more trust built there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the kind of model that I think makes a lot of sense. And you know, we've worked with a lot of, of really smart people to develop that product. We work very closely with the Family Online Safety Institute in particular to talk about you know, what's the best way to, to kind of walk kids into this space and to teach mm -hmm. them responsibility. Uh, you know, inevitably, kids are going to find their way around these controls. None of them are perfect. And okay. even if you invented a perfect one, they would go down the street to their friend's house and be able to access everything anyway. So right. none of this is perfect technology. It's all you know the best that you can do. And I think that's where you really wanna build that level of trust with your kid. Start young, start with the controls in place, and then build that level of trust so that you know when they are presented with the opportunity to go down the street or access a device that isn't protected or turn off the VPN and evade the, the safety measures. They're not gonna do that because you have built that trust and they know there will be consequences for those actions. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do, I love Verizon Family Safety. It's definitely just one of the tools that I use. Um, you know, I don't rely on any just one particular parental controls because like you said, it's, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing's gonna be perfect. Even all of the parental controls that I utilize are not perfect. You know, I have multiple layers upon layers upon layers of parental controls on my kids' devices. If my kid wants to install an app, I have to approve it about three different places <laughs> so that it can actually get installed. But, um, but again, I don't, I'm not naive enough to think that my kids are, you know, completely locked down and they absolutely can get around everything I've put in place for sure. It's inevitable. I, when I was doing a little research, there's a, looks like a 13 or 14 year old girl on YouTube teaching other kids how to get around Verizon Smart Family. So 
you know, what can you do? There, there are kids that are determined to get around these devices. And luckily there are alerts to parents when that happens. So, you know, you're aware when your kids are trying to do that. And, and that really becomes a parenting issue, right? It's, it's not up yeah. to, to a company to, to discipline your child. It's, it's at the end of the day, it's up to you. You need to make sure that your kid is not actively trying to defeat the technology that you've put in place to try to protect him or her. Right. Absolutely. Um, so are there specific devices you think are better for like first kids devices? You know, like you said, your child is 11. I'm surprised he doesn't have one yet. Is it, it's a boy. 11? It is a boy. Yes. Yeah, my, I have a, I have an 11 year old boy as well. Um, but yeah. So what, like, so what are you going to give him as a first device? Do you think? So he's got an iPad now and he's used that we've had iPads since they were very young and that's worked out very well. Um, Right now, we're, we're transitioning into the cell phone age. Uh, we actually yeah. are just trying out this Relay device, which you may have heard of. Oh, the Relay um, Go, yeah. Yep, I like the Relay a lot. I think it's a cool device. It's a nice yeah. bridge to a cell phone, basically totally just a, a cellular walkie-talkie. You know, yeah. again, during this weird COVID time, it's kind of like we're back in the 1950s. So my son oh. started taking bike rides around the neighborhood, right. which he never used to do before with his friends. And, you know, we quickly figured out I need some way to know where he is. So I'm not quite ready to get him a phone yet. Let me check out this relay device. And it's worked out really well. He straps it onto his arm with like a, an armband and I'm able to see where he is. It's kind of the best of both worlds. There's no screen. There's no interaction with the Internet. So it's a nice bridge until he gets a cell phone. He's heading into middle school. It's not going to be long now, but I'm enjoying some of these days before we before we get there. Uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have a gizmo. You know, he's like a little bit too old for the gizmo in, in my view. Like he, he got it. That. Yep. I think a gizmo is an awesome device for like a little bit younger kid. Yeah. Um, and it would work for him as well, but he does not, he's also not great with keeping up with a watch. So <laughs> I think we've had a couple watches that he's lost. So I'm a little afraid that he <laughs> would, would lose that very quickly. Yeah. So the the way I got my son to actually start bringing his watch places was um, I'm like, you're never going to get a phone if you can't show me that you can take care of your watch. So as he's taking care of his watch, he's getting closer to getting a phone with actual service. But, you know, the absolute rule is if he loses breaks, you know, forgets to bring his watch places, he's not getting a phone anytime soon. You know, the scourge of all these devices is you have to constantly charge them, right? And it's a big right. enough pain for adults to do that. I feel like all I do is just monitor these devices and make sure their batteries are fully charged. My kids are not quite there yet where they're able to yeah. care and feed for a device every night. Um, <laughs> so hopefully we'll get there. But it's nice that some of the devices that last, you know, three or four days are really nice because if they make a mistake and don't charge it one night, it's not a brick the next day, which is a nice feature. Right. How long does the relay go with... Um with a charge. I don't, I haven't tried one myself. Definitely two days. I think we could probably make it three days, uh, depending on how much use you get, but it's been, it's been good. It's also kind of a strange shape. So it doesn't easily get lost in, you know, the, the mess that is my son's bedroom. So <laughs> nice. and it's a, it's a bright color. So it's relatively yeah. easy to find. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's worked out really well. Oh, that's great. Um, so what are what is Verizon specifically doing to help parents navigate this digital world? I know there's Verizon Smart Family, which is great, um, but what else are you guys doing to kind of educate parents? Yeah, so I'd split this in half. There's a lot we're doing behind the scenes that parents don't necessarily see that I'd like to talk a little bit about. And there's also quite a bit we do in front of parents, parental education. Uh, but let's talk behind the scenes first, because I think that's a world that a lot of folks don't see and don't really understand all that well. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, my background is in law enforcement. So I was a cybercrime prosecutor for a bunch of years. Before that, I was at the Federal Trade Commission going after online scammers. So I've long been focused on helping parents, helping consumers. And, you know, this is kind of a natural extension of that. We do a lot of work with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in particular to try to keep child exploitation material off of our platforms is, is just absolutely job number one. So okay. we do that with a bunch of different kinds of technology, but a lot of it is automated. So when folks are uploading images or videos via mail or via to our background, uh, I'm sorry, to our, to our uh, storage platforms, we will scan those images and videos automatically and we will detect that material and then immediately report it over to, uh, to NCMEC. Um, and, you know, that's just a really essential function. We do not want this material on our platforms. We don't want these predators on our platforms. So mm -hmm. we invest not only in that kind of detection mechanism, but also in the entire trust and safety team, which reviews that material, makes sure that the detection mechanism is correct, because there are false positives, certainly. And then mm -hmm. we also have an investigations team, again, operating behind the scenes that will take particularly egregious cases. So think of... Uh, a scout leader or a police officer. When we detect those individuals trading this material, we will do further investigations into them and we will prepare a, a write-up basically on those individuals and send that along to the National Center as well. Nice. Uh, and we've seen amazing results with that. We can, we've seen arrests in as short as 24 hours after we've written those folks up. Wow. So that's a lot of the work that goes on behind the scenes, which you know parents don't necessarily see, but is so, so important to keeping the platforms safe and keeping kids safe on our platforms. Yeah. Um, and then there's the work that we do in front of the curtain, kind of the work that folks are familiar with. We have parental controls to so the smart family plan. Uh, we do a lot of parental education work. So I think, and you know, you're a prime example of this. There is just a desperate need for folks to learn about this technology. And the more people talk about it, the more we can get the word out to parents, I think the better off we are. Uh, so we have a parenting in a digital world portal that we operate on Verizon's website. I'd, I'd encourage folks to check it out. We've got a ton of content. It's updated all the time and it's timely as well. So we've done a lot of work on what to do with your kids during the pandemic and some of the topics that we talked about with screen time during the pandemic and how right. to balance those. You know, those are really tough questions and I think no one's got all the answers, but it's helpful to have one spot where parents can go and learn about those topics so we use that portal uh, really as a great tool to reach out to parents, educate parents, and hopefully get them a little bit more sophisticated about these topics. You know, the, I think the biggest challenge in this space is that there just is no one-stop shop, right? You, if you want to learn about child safety, you're basically on your own. You have to, you know, search the web and try to distill all this information down. So to the extent that we can be a one-stop shop and provide parents with what they need to know, by connecting them to not only our information, but the Family Online Safety Institute's information, which is a kind of a partner of ours. They supply a lot of material to us. We think that's a really valuable service to parents and something we, we care a lot about and put a lot of effort into. Um, yeah, that's great. So that's one big effort. And then we also partner with folks. So we partner with FOSI, as I've talked about. We've also done a partnership with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So Verizon this year became a top level sponsor, so not just a financial contribution, but we're also donating ad inventory on the Verizon media side. So during uh, National Missing Children's Day this year, we ran what we call login takeovers on Yahoo Mail and AOL Mail. So when you logged into your account, 
the entire page was taken over by uh, Nick McAd for Missing Kids. So showing missing kids around wow. the country. Um, and that's a project that we're really just getting off the ground now, but something we're gonna invest in over the next year. We're gonna end up donating more than a million dollars in ad inventory to Nick Mick to run ads, highlighting missing kids, talking about uh, child safety issues. Nick Mick has its own curriculum that it teaches. So we're driving traffic to that. Uh, just a lot of, of work that we think we can do to help parents get to that knowledge and get to that education. That's fantastic. Um, what's the URL for your um, parenting in a tech uh, community? So the easiest way to get there, because our website is got so much information, just use any yeah. search engine and just hit parenting in a digital world, Verizon, and you'll, you'll be right there. You'll find it. Great. It's a long you URL. You're the best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I just want to make sure people could uh, find that easily. So um, uh, I, I, we're kind of getting back to uh, maybe this question should have been a little bit earlier, but um, what ways are you seeing kids getting around parental controls? And we briefly talked about it, that YouTuber that is helping teach kids how to get around Verizon family safety. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to her parents. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know, there, there's no great answer for this. And yeah. it's, it's just the reality, I think parents need to understand it, is there is no 100% safe device. And I think, and maybe that's a good thing because it doesn't absolve parents of the responsibility at the end of the day to make sure that they are being the parent for their kids and not just delegating that responsibility out. So, you know, we've talked about having multiple layers of defense and kind of a, you know, a classic IT defense in depth strategy <laughs> to kind of defend against bad things, but right. you know, my 11 year old is getting very tricky and smart and you know, I work in tech and so far I've been able to keep ahead of them, but it's an arms race and eventually yeah. I'm going to lose. So it's, it's about building that trust and I think making sure that your kids, when they're confronted with those situations, understand what the right choices are and hopefully have been raised in a way to make those right choices. You know, one thing I do with my kids, which, you know, I think is effective is I'm not afraid to share kind of bad news with them, right? So yeah. parents, I think, and understandably so, want to shelter their kids from all the bad news in the world. And I totally get that instinct. But, you know, I'm a lawyer and I get these awful magazines from the bar. No one reads them. But what I do is always go to the very last pages, which are the disciplinary notices. So it talks about yeah. what the lawyers did and how they got in trouble for doing it. And that was always yeah. the most interesting part of the bar magazine for me, because that's really a cautionary tale for, you know, yeah. what could happen if you've done something wrong. I think that same technique really works pretty well with kids. I will send my kid an article and saying, hey, look, you know, here's what happened to a kid who made a bad choice. You know, this isn't I'm not trying to scare you, but you should be aware that you know this is going on in the world. I think mm -hmm. kids tend to be skeptical when their parents say this is dangerous. You know, they we don't necessarily have as much credibility as a newspaper does. But I think when they read about a story and are able to kind of internalize that and understand that there is some risk calculus there, I think it's effective, we'll see. But I think it's a, a good way to keep kids kind of aware of the risks that they're taking and not have them blindly kind of stumble into these incidents. Yeah, I totally agree. There was an article, I wanna say maybe four to six months ago um, about a, a girl who, was ending up getting blackmailed um, by someone online. They, you know, they made a bad choice. They sent, a, you know, a photograph, and then they were being blackmailed. Ended up committing suicide. You know, and I sat down with each of my kids and, like, you know, had them read the article and, like, hey, 
you know, people aren't always who they say they are online. You just need to be vigilant on, you know, if somebody approaches you, you know, definitely come talk to me. I mean, obviously they know not to give out their name or their phone number or their, you know, address or, you know, school or anything like that. But I, I keep explaining to them how these, you know, predators will think of tricky ways to get their trust and then you, you know, let your guard down. So like you said, you know, sharing these, you know, kind of scary articles, but in a safe way where you're just like, hey, these are some of the things that can happen and this is why I protect you. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And, you know, I, I like to ask my kids questions like, how do you know that this is really your friend, right? Like what stops <laughs> someone else from hacking this account and pretending to be your friend? Yeah. And, you know, you could see the wheels kind of turning in their head like, well, geez, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. I guess that is possible. So, yeah. you know, I think challenging your kids is, is really important. And I, I try to do that quite a bit. Like, you know, let's let's talk about this. How are you sure that this is safe? You seem completely convinced that it is. Let me, <laughs> let me challenge that assumption and let's see if, you know, you can come up with a counter argument. I think those conversations are, are useful. You know, it's all about kind of preparing your kids for what they're going to see when you're not around. And I think the more you can do that, the more you can get them ready for that inevitable tough moment, I think the better you're, you're doing. Yeah, you know, and like I said, it's not a question of if, they are definitely going to come across something inappropriate sooner than later. I've had the average age now of first exposures around eight or nine. Um, to pornography. So it's definitely conversations that you need to be having earlier and earlier um, when, you know, before they even uh, get to that stage, and they know exactly what to do when, you know, their friend tries to show them something or they accidentally come across something, you know, we kind of role play what you'll do in each of these different situations, because, you know, all of them are very likely. I'm interested in your perspective. What I've heard kind of anecdotally is that this generation is a little bit smarter about social media. They've kind of seen how it can go wrong from the previous generation. And that sure. some of that knowledge is kind of making its way down to, to this generation of kids. And they're much more kind of skeptical of social media. They're much more likely to, to activate the privacy settings or create a fake mm -hmm. Instagram page so that they can kind of hide. And I think that's a positive. I think that, you know, there's been some really tough lessons learned from kids losing their admissions to college and losing scholarships and lots of just awful stories about kids who made bad choices on social media when they were 15 or 16. And I'm yeah. hopeful that some of those lessons are making their way down to kids who are just starting to pick up social media today. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little bit. But like you said, there are so many parents out there that allow free range access to everything. And, you know, the kids are smart. So, you know, my friend will come to me and say, hey, my son said that if he installs a, a, like this app and she gives me the name of the app, it'll make the internet faster at school. And I look at it and it's a VPN app and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 absolutely not. You know, but these kids are saying, oh, hey, install this, you know, or tell your parents it's going to make the internet faster and it'll help you get around any of the blocks that are at home or at school. You know, so they share that information among each other. Um, and so it's up to parents really to make sure you're on top of, you know, what the kids are doing and they ask you for something, do your research. What is a VPN app? Um, you know, as soon as you figure that out, you're going to say absolutely not <laughs> and, uh, and go from there. But yeah, I think they are a little smarter with their social media presence. Uh, like you said, a little bit more private. 
but um, but they're still kids and they're still making really dumb choices. <laughs> yep, uh, you know we expect parents to be IT experts, and it's really a big ask. You know, it's even in I, I live right outside of Washington D.C. We have a you know a pretty affluent community, highly educated, and most of my friends want nothing to do with this. They want nothing to do with figuring out all this technology. They view it as a huge burden. And, yeah. you know, it's just a big ask of parents among everything else that a parent has to do to become an IT expert and spend the time researching yeah. what a VPN app is. You know, that's not something that parents had to do 20, 30 years ago. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I always say, you know, all my friends, they come to me with all their tech questions. Um, you know, I try and make myself open on, on my social media platforms. You know, I, I've been in IT for 16 years, so I've got a lot of technology a little bit. So, um, you know, anyone always feel free to ask me any questions. If you don't have a tech expert that you know, um, I really like to help explain things in easy to understand terms. So. I think it's great. We need a thousand more of you spread out yeah. throughout the United States to be able to, to deal with the onslaught. But yeah, I think it's essential there. Inevitably, there become these kind of go-to parents who are the ones that get it and can help their friends. Uh, it's just not, a, it doesn't scale very well. It's not a model that, right. <laughs> that scales very well. Yeah, I can't get, answer like a thousand questions a day, but it'd be all I do. Uh, but yeah, but like I said, you know, find that person in your neighborhood that, you know, you can go to for your tech questions. You know, most of them, if they're in the IT industry, are pretty willing to help parents navigate this world, so... Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And again, I'd love to, for us to get to a place where parents can find this information more easily. We're spending a lot of time thinking about this, but a one-stop shop, whether it's Verizon or the Family Online Safety Institute or whatever, but it's just too hard to find right now. It's just too much work. We're making it too hard for parents. We need to get better about putting this information in one place so parents don't have to spend quite as long in their research. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, do you have any other questions for me? Any I haven't seen any questions pop in through the comments, but um, you know, if you're watching this at a later time, feel free to pop in a question in the comments. I'll respond, or uh, or Ethan will respond to those questions. But uh, did you have any questions before we wrap sure. up? Sure, I would love to get your take on you know kind of who should be the entity offering the parental controls, who should be the entity offering the, the parental education? You know, it's something we talk about a lot. You know, Verizon is a huge brand. We have 150 million plus subscribers. That gives us a giant presence. It's a big touch point with consumers, but yeah. there's a lot of, of other entities out there, right? You've got app manufacturers, you've got platform developers, you've got gaming manufacturers. So something we talk about a lot is, you know, who do parents look to, who do parents trust for information on these topics. And I'm just interested in any thoughts you have about where parents should be looking and if you know the carrier is, is the right place for that conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously not everybody is a Verizon subscriber, so I, I am, but um, no, I would say that a carrier is a good place to start. Um, I would probably choose more of a third party that doesn't have a stake in the game. Um, you know, as Verizon, if you're talking about the safety, obviously you would be talking about your own controls. Um, you know, the uh, Instagram, TikTok, they have their own controls. And I think everybody needs to be clear about what they do offer. You know, Instagram's parental controls are pretty terrible at the moment. TikTok is actually really great at parental controls at the moment. 
So each entity really needs to advertise what they offer, how they're protecting kids. So I can say, okay, I'm a Verizon subscriber. How do I protect my kid with Verizon? And then I know exactly what's coming from you. How do I protect my kids with AT&T? And then I know exactly how to do it from AT&T. How do I protect my kids on Instagram? And then Instagram's got something for me. You know, um, so I think at each level, it's really important for them to put out their credit controls. Because, like, a lot of people don't even know that Verizon Family Safety is a thing that exists or know that they can set parental controls within an app specifically. So I think the more entities and individuals that put out exactly how their parental controls work, you know, Xbox, Pet, PlayStation, Nintendo, you know, the, all of these people need to advertise more about how their parental controls work so that, you know, parents can find that super easily. 100% agree. I think it's it's really essential that it be easily accessible. I'd also just like to see it consolidated. So you don't have to go to 15 right. different websites to find all this information. Somewhere yeah. there is a central resource. And there's a couple out there that are trying to do that, but it's yeah. it's not there yet. So something yeah. we're thinking a lot about and something we're working with the Family Online Safety Institute and others to try to solve that riddle. But uh, yeah, those are those are great insights. So thanks for those. Yeah. And then obviously familytechzone.com is the ultimate place to find any of this information. <laughs> you know, we, we'd, love it. we'd love for you to write for our portal. If you're interested, it would be great to, oh, to get your, your voice out to, to our subscribers and the folks that, that visit our portal. So yeah. I, I really, I think your mission's great. I really like what you're doing in this space. And uh, it's just been great to, to be on the program today. So thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Great to meet you and uh, great to talk to you too. Again, if you have any questions for either Ethan or myself, definitely pop it in the comments. I'm here every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time and I hope you guys have a good rest of the day. Sarah, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Have a good one.